Well, good morning, everyone. You can open up your Bibles to the book of Colossians. We'll continue our study of Colossians in chapter 2, focusing our attention on verses 13 and 15. Now, just by way of reorienting ourselves in the book of Colossians, the overall theme of Colossians is the supremacy of Christ over all things. In particular, Paul is talking about the supremacy of Christ over these false teachings that have found their way into the church in Colossae. In chapter 1, we have a bit of an introduction and prayer, and then Paul talks about how Christ is Lord of creation and of redemption. He then speaks in the end of chapter 1 about his labors on behalf of the gospel. And now in chapter 2, Paul is expounding on these dangerous teachings and how Christ is supreme over them. Over the last few weeks, we have had some sermon titles that show us this. How Christ is our protection from deception. How we are to be captivated by Christ and not captivated by the things of this world. And this morning, we will see how Christ has freed us from the effects of sin in our life. So let us turn our attention now to God's Word as we see it in the book of Colossians, chapter 2. We'll start in verse 8 and read through verse 15. This is God's holy word for his people. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. This is God's holy word. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by Your Word and Spirit, that in Your light we may see light, in Your truth we might find freedom, and in Your will discover Your peace. We pray, Father, that we would know truly That though we were once trapped in sin, that through Christ Jesus our Lord, our supreme Lord, we have been made free. We pray it in His holy name. Amen. 
as we were listening to Shane's story about being trapped, it made me think, have you ever felt trapped like that before? Caged in, unable to free yourself? Once a friend of mine was trapped in a locker room. She had gone for an early morning swim at a college pool, but while she was changing, the lifeguard locked up the whole building, including the locker room that she was in, and she was left by herself. There was nothing that she could do. She knew that the gym wouldn't reopen for another three hours. No one was in the building and she didn't have her cell phone. There was no getting out. She had to just wait for someone to rescue her. Have you ever experienced something like that? Where you knew you had to call out for somebody or just wait for somebody to come and get you. In our passage for this morning... Paul is using three different images to communicate the idea of being trapped. He is using the image of death, of debt, and of domain. You see, by our sin, we have become trapped by these three masters. We have been trapped by death because of sin. We have been trapped by the debt of sin. And we have been trapped by the rule or the domain of Satan because of our sin. There's nothing that we can do to free ourselves. There is no getting out. We are locked in by these masters. Therefore, we must look to Christ to come to our prison and loosen the chains of our slavery that we might be free. The first enemy that we must trust to Christ to free us from is the enemy of spiritual death. Look down at verse 13. There in your text, Paul says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him. You see, the Bible is quite clear about the spiritual state of man apart from Christ. We are spiritually dead. As Paul says here, you were dead in your trespasses. Or in Ephesians 2, we read, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. To be spiritually dead means that we have no ability to pursue spiritual life on our own. We are trapped. Now, throughout the Bible, there are a handful of stories of people being raised from the dead. We read about Elijah raising the widow's son. We read about Elisha also raising one son from the dead. Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. And even today, we have cases when people have been clinically dead and have been brought back to life. And while the work of the prophets and Christ were miraculous and the modern events are somewhat explainable, there is something that all of these have in common. The dead people don't bring themselves back to life. Someone else had to intervene. People don't bring themselves back to life. You can't give yourself CPR. A defibrillator doesn't do you any good if no one is there to administer it to you. Death is a prison that you cannot escape on your own. 
You need somebody to come and free you from death. And the same is true for those who are spiritually dead. We are trapped in the grip of death and death will not let us go. You can't administer spiritual CPR to yourself. Therefore, we need a Savior. We need someone who has authority over life and death who can get us out of this prison cell. And this is why Jesus came and died. Because death is where Jesus had to go to find His people. Death is where we are all held captive. And so He went into the grave to rescue us from the grave. And by His resurrection from the dead, He freed us from this prison cell. He proved that He had authority over life and death. And so in the death of Christ, death was defeated. Its powerful grip was broken. And all those who have been joined to Christ through faith and the powerful working of God are freed from death and are made alive together with Christ. This is what the Apostle Peter meant when he wrote in 1 Peter 1, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, we were buried under the weight of our own guilt dead in the sins and trespasses in which we once walked. But God, being rich in mercy, has chosen to free us from death through the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. So first, Christ has freed us from the death that was caused by sin. The second enemy that we must trust Christ to defeat is the debt, the debt of sin. Look at the end of verse 13, then going into verse 14. We read, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now, the image that Paul uses to explain the total forgiveness that we receive in Christ is one that we are all familiar with. An IOU, a record of debt. I think most all of us have opened up the envelope of our credit card statement to find that we spent more than we realized. At first, you look down and you think, oh, this must be a mistake. There is no way that I spent that much money. But as you go through the charges, you realize that each one, in fact, is your debt. You signed your name to each purchase, but now you don't have the cash to pay what you signed for. And in verse 14, Paul is saying every one of us has a spiritual credit card statement. And every time that we sin, there is one more charge on that account. Yet we have no power to pay this debt off. The minimum payment is higher than our income. So so no matter how hard we try, each month we are in more and more and more debt with no hope of ever being free from it. 
If you have ever been in deep debt, you know that helpless feeling that Paul is seeking to convey. The anxiety of never being able to pay off what you owe. Of feeling completely trapped. Now today we have bankruptcy. But in times past, your creditors could take your family as servants. They could send you to prison if you didn't pay. To have a record of debt was to be trapped. Proverbs 22 says, The borrower is the slave of the lender. This is not just a nice image. It is the truth. We are the slave of the lender. But in Christ Jesus, this record of debt has been canceled. And the legal demands that it brought against us have been taken away. There is absolute freedom from your debt of sin in Christ. There is no longer any legal grounds upon which you may be charged for your sin. You see, if someone comes and pays off your credit card bill, the credit card company can't come asking for more money. Once the bill is paid, the demands have been fulfilled. And all those who place their faith in Christ, the debt of your sin has been paid in full. There is nothing that you have to add to this forgiveness. There is no work that you can do that will help in paying off your spiritual debt. You are free. And so we must take out the statement of our guilt and rip it up. The chains of our slavery have been broken. Christ has freed you from the record of debt. You are truly debt free. But how could this be? How was the bill paid? You see, so often we take the forgiveness of God so lightly We think that forgiveness of sins is just based upon us feeling bad about them. We think that we go to God and say, God, I'm so sorry that I messed up. And by the very fact that we say sorry, the debt is paid off. But that's not how debts are paid, right? The credit card company will not take a sincere apology for the $20,000 that you owe. You can't call them up and say, I'm sorry, Please just cancel that debt. Debts have to be paid. The gospel is not a message of just forgive and forget. Sin is not covered because you repent of your sin. The only way for sin to be forgiven is with the shedding of blood. Because the wages of sin is death. And there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And therefore, in Colossians 2.14, we are given the grounds of our debt forgiveness. It is the death of Christ on the cross. For the record of our debt was not just forgotten, it was wiped clean by the blood of Christ. It was nailed to the cross. A public and open display that the bill had been paid in full. Your debt of death was paid by the death of Jesus Christ. His infinitely valuable blood was poured out in payment for your sins. 
You were once trapped under the debt of sin, but through the blood of Christ, your debt has been paid in full. And so Christ has defeated the death of sin. He has defeated the debt of sin. And finally, we see that He has defeated the domain of sin. Look down at verse 15. Paul says of the work of God through Christ. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Those pronouns need a little bit of explaining. The first He is God the Father. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. How did He do it? By triumphing over them in Him. Who is that? That is in Christ. You see, the people of the ancient world were steeped in superstition and fear that their lives were controlled by unseen spiritual forces. There was this overwhelming fear that if you did not honor the local spirits or gods, that things would go poorly with you. They believed that these powers controlled everything in their life, from their ability to have children, to grow crops, their health, their safety. And the Colossians are feeling this need to deal with these powers and authorities. Right? Christ is great, but I need to make sure... That these spiritual forces are placated. Today we tend to go in the opposite direction. And remain blind to the spiritual forces at play in our lives. And yet we have our own rivals to the reign of Christ. We have our own explanations for why we are trapped in sin. And so we will blame our environment, our upbringing. Right? The reason I can't form relationships is because my dad didn't love me well. Or we blame our genetics. The reason I can't be faithful to my wife is because I have a genetic disposition to adultery. Now, environmental conditioning does have power in our lives. And genetic makeup does control many of our behaviors. And evil spiritual forces are working against us. All of these forces are trapping us in sin. Our environment does condition us. Our genetics do predispose us. Spiritual forces are causing us to walk in sin. Right? Sometimes we deny that. We have an unbiblical view of man's ability to stop sinning. We say, hey, just, just stop sinning. But if you are not in Christ, You are under the rule and domain of Satan. And you can't free yourself. But what the Word of God is telling us is that no matter the power or authority that is seeking to rival the authority of Christ, they have all been defeated whether it is a spiritual power that is leading you to sin or an environmental power that has conditioned you to sin or a genetic power that has predisposed you to sin, all the rivals to Christ have been defeated. There is nothing that can overcome Him. 
In Colossians 1.13, Paul says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. The rulers and authorities rule and have authority over a certain kingdom, over a certain domain. It's the domain of darkness, the domain of sin, the kingdom where Satan rules. And you are all born into that kingdom. But when He went to the cross, Jesus went to war with this kingdom. And all the powers of the world came against Christ at this moment. But as the Roman soldiers stripped Him of His clothes, He stripped the rulers and authorities of their power. As He was shamed, He was shaming all the forces that stood opposed to His authority. As death sought to triumph over Him, He triumphed over death. And by His resurrection led them in a triumphant parade. And as He lives and reigns even now from His heavenly throne, the powers and authorities of this world are shown to be the defeated, impotent lot that they are. The great paradox of the cross as the rulers and authorities of this world executed judgment on Christ, He executed a greater and eternal judgment on them. You were once enslaved to the powers that are stronger than you. You could not free yourself from the ways of sin. But by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, all authority that stands over you, every excuse you have for why you must continue to be enslaved to sin has been defeated. You were once dead, but you are now alive. You were once buried under a debt of sin, but it has been paid. You were once trapped in the domain of darkness, but you have been transferred into the kingdom of Christ by the power of His cross. By the work of Christ, we who were trapped by the death, debt, and domain of sin have been completely forgiven and set free. Now, one of the practices of the Romans when they would crucify a criminal is that they would nail up on the cross the sentence or the condemnation of the criminal. Faithless, disobedient, traitor, murderer, adulterer, thief, drug addict, alcoholic, child abuser, liar, gambler, hater of God. They would put this up on their cross. There it is before you. And you get the point in your life when you think, could this be who I am? Is this who I am destined to be? Will I forever be trapped under this sign of sin, this placard hanging over my head. But the Word of God says, He took it away. The Word of God says that the sign of our condemnation was taken away from us. He took away the charges that were rightfully ours. And what did He do with them? Look at the end of verse 14 again. He nailed them to the cross. 
Do you see the picture that Paul is painting for us? God took the plaque that read your crime and He nailed it to the cross of Christ. Though He was innocent, He took on our punishment. And so the Son of God stood condemned. And on His cross was written, faithless. On His cross was written, murderer, adulterer, thief, drug addict, alcoholic, child abuser, liar, gambler, hater of God. All of our condemnation that was rightfully ours was taken from us and it was nailed to His cross. And He stood condemned because God took it away from us and put it on His Son. And Jesus shed His blood to make you alive again. To pay for your debt. To free you from your punishment. To break the chains of your slavery. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now to our great God in prayer, asking that we might rightly respond to His Word. Oh God, we come to You now at this time, and there are there those who are among us who have placed their faith in Christ and have sought to walk in Him many days, and yet they still feel trapped in their sin. May they run to Christ and know that there is no condemnation in Him. Father, I pray for those who are gathered here this morning who do not know You, who think, how could this be that forgiveness is offered? How could I ever be set free from my sin? I pray, Lord, that You would soften their hearts, that they would come to know that while they were once trapped, all those who place their faith in Christ are free indeed. We pray, Father, that You would apply this Word to our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.